Hello, and welcome to Making Number Sense Make Sense, a podcast for elementary teachers, specifically early elementary teachers, looking to really make an impact in the number sense of their students. When I was first interviewing for my first teaching job, I had the option of a kindergarten position, a third grade position, or a fifth or sixth grade position. I don't really remember which. And all of these positions were Spanish immersion. So that meant that I was responsible for teaching math and science to my students in Spanish, and my partner teacher would teach language, arts, and social studies in English. So only math and science. And me, myself, growing up, I did not consider myself a math person. I was really not confident in being able to teach other people how to do math. So in my mind, I was like, well, at least if I do kindergarten, the math's not that hard, right? They're just like counting and patterns and sorting and that kind of thing. So I should be okay, right? Right? That was my thinking. Come to find out, that was definitely not the case. And teaching those foundational number sense skills is a lot more complex and nuanced than I originally anticipated. So joke was on me, but that led me here to you all to hopefully give you a place to start Unlike when I was just kind of pulling at straws, hoping something stuck and that I could help these kids in some way. I understood what the skills were that my students needed to know, but I don't think I realized how difficult it would be for some of my students to pick up those concepts that we as adults just find so easy. Like, what do you mean counting is hard? Of course, you know how to count. One, two, three, you count the objects, like that's it. But for Some of our students who this is their first school experience, counting is hard and it takes a long time and a lot of practice for them to really get good at it. And because it was so far removed for us, we don't realize that. And I feel like that was definitely something that I noticed when I started working in kindergarten teaching only math and science. One of the biggest things that I noticed my students having trouble with, but it was so foundational, was counting. And when I say counting, I don't just mean one, two, three, because counting involves the number sequence, one-to-one correspondence, and being able to remember how many things you counted once you're finished counting. And then from there, remembering the numeral or the squiggle that goes along with the number that you just said. So when you really think about it, it is a very complex skill and hard for some students to understand. So I'm going to be doing a deep dive into all of those different aspects of counting and number that I found really helpful when trying to support my students in learning these skills and developing a strong foundation of number sense. Today's topic and the first in the series is one-to-one correspondence. One-to-one correspondence is the skill of being able to count one object as you say the number, and you can either touch it like with dice or move it when you're counting actual objects. So when your students are developing one-to-one correspondence, they need to be able to keep track of what they're doing, where they're pointing to if they're not actually touching anything that they're counting. A lot of times when kids come in and don't necessarily have a lot of previous school experience, they can keep one-to-one correspondence in the three to six range, and then comes the hover finger. I call it the hover finger because you'll see the kids start one, two, three, and then four, five, six, their number sequence might be off and the finger just kind of hovers over what they're counting instead of actually touching it. And that is 
a very hard skill to break. So there are some strategies I like to teach my students to really help them with the concept of one-to-one correspondence. Not necessarily the number sequence because that's something else that can trip them up, but just the concept of one-to-one correspondence. So one number or one word goes with each object. The first strategy I like to teach the kids is the move it strategy. So if there is something that can be moved when you're counting, I'm encouraging them to move it. So if I have a handful of cubes, we'll take one cube, move it to a completely different pile and count one and then go back to the original pile and move it, count two, so on and so forth. So even if their number sequence isn't as high as the pile that they have, they're practicing the skill of moving an object one at a time and counting it. I often like to encourage kids to move things away into a different pile because if they're not moving it, it's easy for them to count something twice or miss one. So this way we know that I've counted these objects and these ones I still have to count. So the move it strategy is the first one that I teach and one that I really like to make sure that they are using when appropriate. Now there are times where you can't move objects like the pips on a dice or when they're counting their fingers. And I definitely encourage counting with their fingers. They are a great tool for all mathematicians. That's when I would use the touch strategy. If you're counting the pips on a dice, then you're touching each thing that you're counting and really trying to keep track of it that way moving systematically. So for example, if you are looking at the dice face that has the five on it, you would start maybe at the top left and work like you're reading like one, two, then top right, the middle one, four, five. Instead of kind of bouncing all over the place, same thing to keep track of what you're doing so you know how many is on that dice face. Now, the skill of knowing those dice face very quickly and instantaneously is subitizing, and that will be a topic I will be covering very soon. After they've moved the objects that they're doing or touched it, if they might think that there's any confusion, and even if there's not, I really like to encourage the kids to double check what they counted. It's easy to miss something, especially if you're touching things instead of moving them. So double checking is a strategy I really like to show the kids and let them know that good mathematicians will double check their work. So the strategy is moving it, touching it, and double checking. Strategies can be a really helpful way to give students an entry point, but a strategy isn't going to work if you don't actually apply it. So one of the biggest things about all of these math concepts is that your students need a lot of time to practice them. So I'm gonna give you some ideas now of how you can practice one-to-one correspondence, not necessarily with numbers and numerals, just really the concept of one-to-one correspondence. Whenever possible, especially with young kids, I want to give them the opportunity to play. I am sure I'm not the only one who feels like Kindergarten should be more of a social time than it is. And we have been, and we have lots of standards to cover that might not necessarily be appropriate for our age group, but here we are. I like to make things feel like play whenever possible. And just that is a great way to start with one-to-one correspondence. Let's say that they are playing in the kitchen or even passing out supplies to the other students at their table. They need to make sure that each student has a pencil, each student has a glue stick, or if they're playing in the kitchen, that each 
person who is eating together, in quotes, gets a plate, gets food, gets a fork, gets all of those things. So just matching one person with one object is a great way to practice one-to-one correspondence. And I try to think of a lot of games that just focus on that. There are these giant playing cards. Um, The ones I'm thinking about specifically, I got at Five Below and they just have giant gummy bears on them. So one of the first stations I had my students do who are working on one-to-one correspondence is they got to pick one of those giant cards and match one of their bear counters to each gummy bear and they absolutely loved it like it was the wrong size they like gummy bears they like the bears in general so that's a really quick simple station that your kids can do but they definitely don't have to be those cards it can be any cards or anything where they are matching one object to whatever the design is so it could just be dice faces and they're matching that both of those will help now has anybody else's students been obsessed with poppets, like obsessed with poppets? So I was like, I'm going to leverage this how I can in this classroom. So I created these poppet task cards. So it's just a picture of a poppet and it has different designs on and the kids have to try to recreate the design on the poppet picture to the actual real poppet. And because it's a poppet, and it's colorful. Again, the kids enjoyed it and it was really simple for the kids to do independently and they got to practice just the concept of one-to-one. If your students are kind of understanding the concept of one-to-one correspondence but are having trouble with the number sequence or matching a numeral to a value, that would be a great time to work with them in a small group to practice that skill. And 10 frames are really, really great for that because Again, there's one space, so you put one thing in one space, and you can support them with the number sequence if that's what's tripping them up or starting to match a numeral to a value. So I hope those um, math center ideas were helpful, and the strategies again were move the object that you're counting, touch the object that you're counting if you can't move it, and double check your work. I will have all of this written out in a blog post that I will link to in the show notes. Hope these strategies help and I will catch you next time.